The Bones and Bobbins podcast is now on Patreon. Would you like access to bonus episodes, digital extras, exclusive merch, and more? Then join us in the curiosity shop at patreon.com backslash bones and bobbins. Your generous support helps make the show happen and will also earn you our very eternal gratitude and entry into our private Patreon-only Facebook group. <laughs> yes. That's where the fun happens. Well, more Indeed. fun. Exclusive well, I mean, fun. Ex- yes. Fun you can't get anywhere else. <laughs> it's the VIP fun. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> In a dusty old shop on a forgotten old street... You'll find two witches with books three boxes deep. Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread, you'll come in for yarn, but leave with pigments instead. Whether poisons or patterns, we're always discreet. Where creepy and crafty and morbidity meet. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins podcast. Um, so, uh, hello. Hi. Morbid makers. We are your slightly creepy, mildly disconcerting, somewhat sinister, delightfully discomposed, opaquely odd, merrily morbid, marvelously misanthropic hosts. And this is Bones and Bobbins, Season 1, Episode 18, wishing you a tragically Victorian Christmas. I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Very Serious Crafts Podcast. And I'm Natalie from Uber Dark Designs, an official murderino maker. Very fancy. Very fun. Yeah, so how are you? It has been a doozy. Um, Yeah. It's been a doozy. I have a sad followed by a funny that all involve my children and crafts. Oh. So, well, uh, all right. My eldest goes to a very not stereotypical private private school. And yeah. um, during the switching gears and handling the loveliness that is a pandemic, uh, they are doing shortened in-person or online classes um, in micropods. And one of the things that they're doing to supplement that is independent studies they have to do an academic independent study and a creative independent study um, for each of the sections so they have to think of the idea present it um, flush out like what they're you know trying to learn from it and and everything so she decided she wanted uh when we visited uh their great grandma probably around october and by visit, I mean stood outside her window. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, you looked like uh, it was being a very, very creepy yeah. stalker movie. Yep, that's us. We're creepy. Uh, and she mentioned being cold. And so Elvis decided she's like, I'm going to make her a blanket. And she wanted to crochet it. Now, both my girls know how to needlepoint, cross-stitch, and crochet. Eldest knows yep. how to knit. Um, but so she wanted to crochet it. Um, but she wanted to like she does it. She just knows like basic uh, mm-hmm. 
basic stitches and just squares. <laughs> so sure. Um, I mean, but that'll get you a blanket. It will get you a blanket. But she had to learn. She wanted to learn more. So that was the point of the creative project was to learn new stitches. So uh, we went through and found a very kind of chic granny square. And she made it's 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 a real she did such a great job. Her tension is beautiful. Like awesome. everything's consistent. I was super, super proud. Um, she finished the blanket and we did this crazy exchange at um, Thanksgiving when we went to we quarantined and visited my parents for Thanksgiving who also quarantined. So we were super careful and it was just them. And then we went to go visit great grandma and we called ahead and said, hey, we're going to stand outside her window. Can you, you know, make sure that she comes over to the window? Uh, and by the way, we have gifts because then my youngest painted her picture. Uh, so we so we had to uh, open the front door to like there's like a vestibule before you go into the building. You know, open yeah. the door, leave the stuff on a table in there, and then exit. And then the nurse came out, got the stuff. <laughs> it's all very choreographed. Um, but the good thing is, is that, yeah, so Elda's got to see her get the blanket and and snuggle in it and, and her reaction to it, which is amazing. It was going to be her Christmas present, but she gave it to her early, and we're really glad that she did because last Wednesday morning, she ended up passing away. Um. Oh. And it's just, it's heartbreaking because she's such a, such a strong, feisty woman. And honest to God, one of my favorite human beings to ever walk this earth. And she ended up getting uh, COVID from her favorite nurse at the oh. facility she's at. So it was all very sad. That and poor she, nurse. Right? And also poor her. Right. And, oh. So it was everything really, about that hurts. It was a really rough. It was a really rough week. Um, and she was not the only one that we lost uh, last week, unfortunately. Um, but it was one that hit super hard uh, for a variety of reasons. And yeah. oh, I'm so glad the gifts right, were able to. Right. Oh, that, that makes just, me feel really good. Right. So yeah. the rite of passage, I think it's, it, it has to start in your teen years. Yeah. For us females, when shit goes on in our lives that we cannot control, yep. the one thing we can control is our fucking hair. So Eldest oh, no. looked at youngest and was like, cut it off. And we're like, what? And now Eldest has cut youngest's hair repeatedly. Like really this, well too, right? Right? Super well. But, you know, she's watched hours of YouTube videos, and the first cut took her, like, three hours. It was so cute. And Youngest is like, I got this. Uh, but so I'm watching them. And, of course, it's in, like, the living room. Like, our, we have two living rooms. It's the front living room. And I'm like, really? You can't be, like, in the kitchen where you're going to sweep that up? That's fine. It's fine. Um, nope. you're, you're morning. <laughs> you're going through this. Do your thing. Uh, and she's like, you know, so she cuts some and she's got her tongue sticking out and her concentration face on. And it's so cute. And then like she cut and then Elvis is like, eh, cut it shorter. Go shorter. And I was like, oh, my gosh, really? And I'm like, whatever. It's hair will grow back. Do what you need to do. And they had a playlist on. And then like. <laughs> Did no they have like an Empire on. Records moment? 
I wish, but they oh almost because she's got the she's got an undercut in the back, uh, so it's shaved. Because I the have back, for but... sure done the sobbing right. in bathroom with yes. uh, clippers head. It was at I, work. <laughs> I, if we had if we had clippers in the house, I'm 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 guessing that might have that might have happened. But so yeah. they had a playlist on through the TV, like through Spotify. No Scrubs came on, so we're all, of course all singing because you can't not sing jamming away hair is cutting and all of a sudden eldest goes wait hey mom are we saving this hair for a victorian hair wreath <laughs> and i was like bag it up girl <laughs> and then uh, and then yes. it's just like those are my those are my weirdos those are my weirdos so i have a bag of hair to go with the other bits of hair that i have for a project that i'm working on wherein it will be so pleased <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> a masterpiece of hair. So, coping through crafts, it it's it's my go to thing, and you know, cutting hair is a craft too. So, and certainly making a, a wreath or other adornment of affection from said hair, also a craft. So, that's my week. That's uh, that's my story about that. That's a hell of a week. Yeah, yeah. So, um, how about you? How you doing? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if I said this last week. I think I did. I, no, I remember that I did. Um, my mom has yes. recovered from COVID. And so Yay. that is uh, at least some good news on uh, the I can't get from Brooklyn to the Midwest, even if I want to front. Yes. Um, I am also... Coming to you live from inside a blanket fort. <laughs> it is the best. It is the best. Uh, and I, I mean that completely literally. I mm-hmm. have made a blanket fort and I am sitting in it. And because of that positioning, this wool um, <laughs> brontosaurus, brontosaurus forever because thunder lizard is way better than deceptive lizard. Yes. Don't give me any of that apatosaurus shit. Uh-uh. Um, anyway, Tell that's girl. how I really feel. Um, I, I have a wool ornament that is only barely visible on the screen and so it looks like there is a tiny woolen penis with eyes just it's a one-eyed willy. in at my side mm-hmm. and i'm pretty pleased with myself it was not planned <laughs> but uh yeah uh i think i was supposed to talk about something else but my life has rather been taken over by the fact that I am sitting in a blanket fort. I am a firm believer of blanket forts. Yeah. I, for some context, I just realized that I did not give any. And those of you who do not have a podcast <laughs> um, may not know that many people who have podcasts record them sitting in closets mm-hmm. unless they're in a studio. And that's because sound quality is bad if you have any echoey surfaces. And I live in a very old building. And New York City is sort of known for its tall ceilings. Like every place, like you might live in a shoebox, but you live in a shoebox with 12 foot ceilings. (laughs) And so I have 12 foot 
ceilings and no rugs. (laughs) (laughs) And so I am hoping that the sound quality might be a little bit better if I'm in a blanket for it. So we shall see. It might be a disaster. Uh, I doubt it. I'm sure you will tell us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, they will. (sighs) So, I think that's it for me. Yeah? You know what we should do? Yeah. We should take a quick break to thank all of our fantastic Curiosity Shop members. Miss, 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 miss. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we love you all. (laughs) Yes so much uh over on patreon and we love them so much that i mispronounce their names when they're new and just the actual word curiosity shop on occasion too because you know talking sometimes is difficult but it happens you know we love you we appreciate you and And you send us such nice notes oh you do you really do like i will fight anyone uh who tries to claim that we do not have the best like listeners in general and especially our like curiosity shop crew um they're yeah. delightful and uh, wonderful and just as creepy as we are <laughs> and that is the beautiful thing it is Nance. the best yes the best it is and because they are the best we would totally, totally go explore hidden old graveyards in the woods, possibly with mat- mysterious Christmas trees that just kind of show up every year mm. with them. Absolutely. With you, them, all of it. All of so, it. Carrying lanterns and stuff. You know, because fire. Oh, yes. Always a good idea. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of fire in this episode. Oh, um, yes. Yes, there and, is. And uh, definitely my portion, I'm going to throw out some trigger warnings. So make sure to listen for them when we get there. Yes, indeedy do. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Treats. Did you just go Ned Flanders on me? I think it did. I think it did. All right. Uh, so, yeah. It was either yes and Dee do or who or any hoozle. It was and yes and Dee Doo came out first. I support uh, it. Yay! You uh, Ned Flanders as much as you want. Thank you. Um. So yeah, there's treats. There's pretty lights. There's deck in the halls, trimming the trees. So much fun. And so some, many lights. So many. I love it. And light sources. Yes. <laughs> and some of it began with some really let's just say interesting origins and today yes i'm gonna talk about how some of our favorite holiday traditions started out now our our tree is actually up and it's partially decked the first thing that we put on it are these giant glitter balls we made last year and i know glitter i have hives just thinking about it right but they're not the glitter is not on the outside it's on the inside of these giant plastic balls and we made them like each one in a different uh color of the rainbow because we had like a rainbow theme last year uh did you hear that hmm very deep voice no 
I think it came in through my headphones. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> it's just that something just made a very creepy noise, and it sounded like it was standing right next to me. Oh, and no. None of my ghosties do that. So... <laughs> Probably here. Hmm. <laughs> you want to get on the... I don't know. Phone. Maybe it'll be on the recording. Ooh, that'll be fun. So, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Just how did glass balls end up on trees anyway? Uh, how did they? How did they? So decorating the house with evergreens seems to be a solstice tradition that dates as far back as my favorite, the ancient Egyptians. The mm-hmm. origins ended up being obscured by colonizers and eventually turned into trees that are uh, brought inside and decorated every Christmas season. Kiss colonization. Well, um, also because Germany. Yes. Yes, Germany. Uh, yes. So many attribute the glass balls and their birth to that of witch balls, which are also called Yule balls or fairy balls. Ooh. These delightful balls are an ancient custom that made its way to the U.S. from England in the 17th century. And while they mm-hmm. aren't tied to a holiday at all and are hung year-round in an uh, an eastern window, their resemblance to the fancy glass Christmas ornaments that we see all over the place, like, cannot be denied. So, hmm. what what are rich balls? I'm glad you asked. Uh, basically, they're pretty little baubles that Witches don't usually have balls. <laughs> um, so, they are pretty little baubles that are designed to ensnare evil spirits and energies, and protect the space that they are hung in this could be against witches themselves against illness bad fortune curses the creepy next door neighbor you name it um now (laughs) historically it's also believed that they might also show the future the museum of witchcraft and magic in boss castle says that their reflective nature keys into the idea that a witch ball would confuse attract and entrap evil spirits, thus protecting other items and people within the home. Now, I have obsidian that does that too. <laughs> yes. Now, the process by which they have moved from the window to the tr- Christmas tree is mysterious. It's not far-fetched, though, to suppose that people just wanted to charm away spirits at a particularly holy and important point in the year, and kind of saw an opportunity in, in tree decoration. It is another example of ways in which, like, the pagan tradition and Christian belief may have melded in Christmas's history. And we've kind of talked about that in the past before. Um, now, yeah, while there's there is so a, much of that. Right. And while there indeed is a line that traces ornaments back to first being manufactured in Germany in the 1840s, um, that somewhat disputes the witch ball origin, I still maintain that they're little balls of magic. So... That's my The Germans aren't known for not having magic. They're they're pretty into um, Black Forest lurking. Right. Sparklies. Uh, (laughs) And if you want to make your own witch slash yule slash fairy ball. uh, Oh, I do. There's a link in the show notes for how you can make one. There's a little video. um, And it's uh, British. And fun. So... Now that we've decked the halls, or at least the tree, well, now what? Well, let's talk some Christmas treats and fun. A quick little tiny food fact, Victorian mince pies 
bore minimal resemblance to the sweet little pastry treats we enjoy today that are like little pie shapes uh, filled with mix of meat, fruit, and spices, they were actually originally oval-shaped to represent a coffin because Victorians. Mm-hmm. And most of our wonderful Christmas traditions come from the Victorians. Some have not yes. qu- not quite stood the test of time because Victorians are just a little bit crazy. According to Atlas Obscura, indeed, in the early years of Queen Victoria's rule, Christmas rivaled spring break for sheer bawdiness and self-destruction. Nowhere, <laughs> nowhere is there more evident than in the bonkers Victorian parlor game of Snapdragon. Now, snapdragons oh, no. are, yeah, are one of my favorite flowers, but I didn't realize that it was also a game. After Yeah, they a- look like skulls when they go to seed. Yes. Now, after real like after reading about it, now I understand why I did not know it was also a game. Uh, so traditionally played on Christmas Eve, players of Snapdragon must find themselves a broad, shallow bowl and then prepare to risk their health and safety because nothing says Merry Christmas, quite like needing to visit a burn unit. In the bowl, <laughs> the bowl should be poured two dozen raisins. If the raisins are hard to come by, then they would use almonds or grapes or plums. Uh, Christmas time is where fruits and nuts really shine. You could, you should then pour a bottle of brandy into the bowl so that the raisins bob up and down like little drowning flies. <laughs> now, yeah. I'm, I'm a Wisconsin gal and brandy is in my blood. So, so far, I'm completely down with this. Until you then place, place the bowl on a sturdy table, turn the lights down low. And then with appropriate panache, you ignite that fucking brandy. Just light it on fire. And that must have been some high proof fucking brandy. Right? And this is where I become just a wee bit skeptical. <sighs> to play, you get your besties and family to then gather around the blazing bowl. And then mm-hmm. one by one, take turns plunging your hands into the flames to try and grab a raisin. Then, if you manage to grab a raisin, you then promptly extinguish the flame by popping it into your mouth and eating it. Because for our friends, the Victorians, nothing says Christmas morning quite like blistered hands, third-degree burned lips, and scorched palates. Well, the science is actually there for fire burning that hot. Um, because the moisture in your hands would create a barrier. It's sort of like fire walking or walking ah. on coals. Um, so Still. I think theoretically Oof. you could do that without it being the worst idea, but I don't think you would want to do it late in the game. Right. I think it would be fine early in the game. Like if you're first to go. So yeah. Snapdragon. But I mean. I'm not an expert, so please don't listen to me. I, but Haley said. I'm just being geeky about the potential science. That doesn't mean it's correct. <laughs> so this Snapdragon game was so popular, it even had a non-seasonal version 
called Flap Dragon, in which a lit candle was placed in a mug of ale, and players took turns trying to drink from the mug without setting fire to their beards, mustaches, or hair. This shit makes beer pong Did look like a nursery game. Did the mug have a mustache game. guard? <laughs> I don't know. They I, exist. They do. They do. Uh, so the tradition itself make, like dates back to the 1600s in England and is actually referenced by Shakespeare, Dickens, Austin, and Agatha Christie. Man, they had nothing to do in the winter. <laughs> Seriously. And this is just one one of the games i encourage you to visit the link in the show notes for more of these delightful victorian christmas games um can we try this outdoors at some point sure 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 i just i feel like we should i needs to be cold enough out (laughs) yeah it does it does uh Hmm. so uh more delightful victorian christmas games also included more fun like a slightly rapey version of hide and seek and a wonderful game that encourages you to place objects in the harm's way of a blindfolded person that is trying to tag somebody. So, our... <laughs> oh, good. Right? That, that seems um, like a great idea. Right? Right. So fun. Uh, so, our tree... Merry Christmas, kill your friends. <laughs> right? So, mm-hmm. our tree is decked. Our faces are properly singed. What's next? Let's go a wassailing. Ooh. Now, when... (laughs) Exactly. When we think of wassailing, we think of caroling, and it's probably the only place that we even know the freaking word itself from. Wassailing is definitely a tradition I... (laughs) (laughs) Most, most, most people. Fine. Um, Wassailing is definitely a tradition I can get behind, and I say we bring it back, especially for 2020. Uh, as Arcadia Publishing explains, I think 2021. Wassel- I think we should not go out for 2020. True, true, true. Um, so Wassel was derived from an old Norse phrase "vessel," which loosely translates to "be well." From the medieval period in England onwards. Wassling involved sharing apple spice drinks like lamb's wool, which involved heating apples until they exploded in boiling alcohol and then adding spices. Yum. And wishing each other good cheer. Some people took vast bowls of wassail from house to house in order to spread goodwill. To wassail meant or going out on a tw- <laughs> I, Well, not at that time, but... <laughs> <laughs> Eventually... To wassail meant going out on the 12th day of Christmas to visit the apple orchard in a giant procession singing happy songs to the trees to ensure a good harvest and to protect them from evil spirits, shooting and holler, shooing and hollering to scare away any ghosts and sometimes asking small boys to hang toast soaked in cider on the boughs to attract good spirits in the form of birds. Everyone would then share a wassailing cup full of cider and generally have a really good time. Uh, most early carols themselves have pagan roots, and this was actually a winter solstice practice that just slowly morphed into a Christmas one. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, let's get drunk on some spiced apple alcohol and shoo away some bad spirits. Like, totally get behind that. But fucking Victorians had to make shit weird. 
uh, and enter the 1700s and caroling. In a piece for Salon, author and historian Thomas Christensen recounted how the carolers or wassellers of the 17th century would arrive at homes unannounced and demand to be given the residents' finest food and drink. (laughs) They would would sometimes threaten violence and rape, destroy property, and sing songs with lyrics such as, we've come here to claim our right, and if you don't open the door, we'll lay it flat upon the floor. Uh, That's a far cry. very much like trick-or-treating's origins, too. Like, that's a far cry from give us some figgy pudding. In fact, some wealthy landowners would pool their money and hire security teams to protect their property from roving bands of carolers. As as historian Thomas Christensen notes, one minister in the early 1700s railed against the observance of Christmas and especially to the practice of caroling, He complained that caroling drove people to rioting, chambering, which is otherwise known as fornication, Mm -hmm. and wantonness. Now, I have covered, we've covered, actually, Christianity's fight to take all the cool pagan stuff and denounce it, but then appropriate it for themselves. Uh Uh, In this case, we have St. Francis of Assisi to thank for the carols making a Jesus turn. And... (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of history beside, behind the songs themselves that could be a deep dive all of its own, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, but let me just leave you with this tiny little Debbie Downer moment. Uh, oh. Wenceslas, the first Duke of Bohemia, um, was actually a guy. Nieski. That's Wenceslas yeah. Square in Czech, just in case you have any to know. <laughs> it's nice. the only Czech I remember. And uh, Good King Wenceslas is a lovely little carol about a kind guy who helps poor peasant in the snowstorm. But it's Mm -hmm. actually based on this tragic dude, uh, the Duke of Bohemia, who was born in 907 AD after the death of his father, Ratislaus I. Wenceslaus was raised by his mother, Drahomira, and uh, she was the daughter of a pagan tribal chief. Well, in September 935 A.D., Wenceslaus was murdered on his brother's orders, being stabbed repeatedly with a lance while praying and then dismembered in the front of a church. That happened a lot back then. Family can really suck, especially at the holidays. Yeah. So. Uh, Wenceslas Square is where my husband's passport was stolen once when we were in Prague. (laughs) That's crazy pants. Yeah, it uh, required a very strange trip to the American Embassy next to Prague Castle. Ooh. Yeah, it was quite a thing. Um, Apparently watch out for uh, pickpockets in Wenceslas Square. Duly noted and good advice. So, we've got our tree decked. Flaming treats have been consumed. Ghosts have been spooked. Yep. Liquor and door-to-door debauchery is set. Now we've rested... Our singed heads on to slumber while waiting for our favorite old jolly man to come popping down our chimney. But Santa isn't the only thing that can come scooting down one's chimney. 
No, there, there are a bunch of things. are countless European legends that tell of both helpful and malicious supernatural creatures sneaking into homes through chimneys. Again, deep dive of its own, but let me just mention a couple. Scottish and English legends tell of the brownie, who is helpful household spirit that enters and exists homes at night through the chimney. And again, brownies are also part of the fae. Don't fuck with the fae. Yes. It's not even at Christmas time. Uh, In the Middle Ages, witches were also thought to pass into homes through their chimneys. Yep. Remember our witch bottle episode, wherein one of the few witch bottles found intact was also found in the chimney. Yes. In Greece, goblins called Kalitz Kansaroi were known to crawl into homes through the chimney and then terrorize the families uh, within, whereas in the 19th century Pennsylvania, Peltznickel or Belsnickel slipped down chimneys to reward good children with oranges and punish the naughty ones with the whip. Now, some people <laughs> like may not do. consider that punishment. Um, I'm sure that you've all been just the right amount of naughty or nice and can safely dream of sugar plums dancing in your heads. Just don't start looking into the nutcracker where the sugar plum fairy comes from. That's a whole other dive. And one that I will leave you guys to. And that is my very quick prance through some really messed up (laughs) Christmas origins. Yes, and I would also like to encourage you to look up the Yule Cat. Because yes. the Yule Cat is, well, problematic, but also it's going to eat you if you aren't wearing new Christmas clothes. <laughs> and yes. Well, that comes from significantly more problematic trying to get the wool processed before the solstice bullshit but the yule cat man don't fuck don't with the fuck yule with cat. the yule cat uh-uh or the yule lads or <laughs> and, oh man anyway um, add to the list <laughs> yule cats i don't know why i have gone down that rabbit hole recently but makes sense cats yeah it, it's true <laughs> well I am not going to brighten things, I, I must say. <laughs> because it's Victorian. Uh, it's gonna, it, yeah, brightening things doesn't exist. Um, nope. So, this week I really, really took a deep dive into the British Library's newspaper archives. Yay! Yeah, and I just found a lot of cautionary tales and also some really, like, nonchalant mentionings of things that would be really big news today. <laughs> BT like, dubs. <laughs> yeah, like, just just chilling. It's fine. Um, so this is going to center largely around candle tragedies because these fuckers did not know how to stop, drop, and roll. No. They were, and they were super fond of fire. As it turns out. So, uh, candles and Christmas candles specifically 
were sort of up there with patent medicines um, in that they were like very specific name brand. Um, the one I most frequently saw was Novelty Candles, Fields, Patent, Colored Candles, in spirals or stripes of rose, green, mauve, or amber. Used at the city reception of the Sultan and the Lord Mayor's Banquet. Not the Lord Mayor's Banquet. Yeah. (laughs) Of all dealers in town and country. Um, So that advertisement showed up everywhere. Like, it was almost impossible to find any news about Christmas candles that wasn't that advertisement wow um so that that there is there is a lot of that but there were many other like throughout the years very very similar advertisements touting the um either translucent colors Hmm. or bright colors and i'm maybe translucent meant something slightly different at the time period, I, I'm not really sure. Yeah, but, that's a little confusing because wax yeah. of a solid state would not be entirely no. translucent. And I mean, you can see through wax burning, but not, I don't know. It's, it's somewhat confusing. Anyway, so... When we're talking about Christmas candles and, like, Christmas novelty candles, what we're talking about are the candles that you put on your Christmas tree. You know, the dead tree in your home. That scares the The, shit out of me. The flammable thing? Yeah. That thing. Yeah. 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 And so, I guess that um, the, the Christmas candle advertisement that I just read was from 1867 and I guess some excitement must have happened um, because in 1868 approximately one million advertisements of Fields self-fitting candles for safety, economy, and cleanliness combined showed up. Oh. I mean, and I understand, as a a candle nerd who screams at people about how to cut their wicks properly, (laughs) um, I I know what this means. Like, it's something that burns evenly and consumes wax instead of dripping. Yes. So, like, it... It makes sense. It's exactly what it sounds like. But I guess whatever safety protocols they added, which they didn't really say <laughs> um, what what the changes were, and there weren't drawings, so I, I could not find them. I guess that did not go so great. So <clears throat> I'm going to take you through a couple of newspaper articles that explore the ramifications of the popularity of 
Christmas candles and how dangerous they were. And I would also like to express my surprise that they weren't more dangerous. Because I was looking at pretty small, like, small town newspapers, largely. And sort of everything that happened in the town came up. So, (laughs) um, yeah. Anyway. Alright, so almost all of these articles are titled around the same thing. Uh, This one is from the Illustrated Police News in 1897. And, trigger warning, it involves violent death and fire. Um... This one, I don't think is child-related, but later ones are going to be. So just, if that's not going to work for you, you should go ahead and just skip the vast majority of my section. Um, Alright, so this is a bit long, but it also really gives a look into the language and like how these things were talked about and how they were like an inevitability. They weren't something to be avoided. It was just something that was going to happen. And sometimes it happened to you and that was sad. All right. So this one is entitled Shocking Fatality at a Christmas Party. So at St. Bartholomew's Hospital, Mr. F or S.F. Langham the city coroner held an inquest concerning the death of Sarah Uridich, aged 42, the wife of a printer living at 24 Coburg Street, Clerkenwell, who was fatally burned through a paraffin lamp explosion at that address on Boxing Day. William Uridich deposited or deposed that he had a party on Christmas night, there being so many persons present that the room would scarcely accommodate them. About two o'clock on Boxing Morning, the deceased was refilling a paraffin lamp whilst it was alight, when the lamp, which had a glass reservoir, suddenly exploded. Her clothing was seen to be on fire, and she was so severely burned about the body that she died soon after she was taken to the hospital on a fire engine. Frederick Faulkner, a lodger in the house, stated that upon hearing the sound of the explosion, he ran upstairs and burst the door of the room open. He rescued several children from the flames, which had spread amongst the party, And in doing this, he severely burned his right arm. Several other persons were also burned and had to be medically treated for their injuries. Thomas Pierch, foreman fireman at the Farringdon Road Station, said that on arriving at the house, he found the deceased lying outside on the pavement, an ambulance having been sent for. Finding the fire was extinguished, the witness at once carried the deceased into the house and treated her burns with such things as he had on his engine, oil and lint, etc. 
And as the ambulance had not arrived, the witness had the woman taken to the hospital on the engine. Mr. Gibbons of the County Council Petroleum Department deposed that he had investigated the case and found that the explosion was due to the fact that the lamp having burned for 10 hours, the reservoir became filled with heated vapor in the place of the oil, and when it was refilled, the flame came in contact with the vapor. Mr. Gibbons said that during the last year, there had been no fewer than 43 deaths in London through the explosion of lamps with glass reservoirs. The jury returned a verdict of accidental death. Oof. Yeah. Wait, the jury? Yeah. So there was a court case involved? It was an inquest. So a coroner's inquest is a little bit different in, um, in this period because coroners weren't necessarily medical professionals. True, true. Um, you had a group of people weigh in on whether or not (laughs) shit went down. Um, and the coroner system actually still exists in the U.S. in some places and it's real freaky. Yeah. Um, Yes. So there, there is another story from that night involving a child, but I'll go ahead and skip that one because that was a long kind of bummer. Um, but I, like, 43 deaths that year in That's London had been because of exploding glass lamps. You'd and think after, like, the third one, they'd be like, hmm, I'm seeing a yeah. pattern. And, like, everybody read the papers. Right. Because what else was there to do at night? I mean, assuming you were middle class and above, there are many, many answers if you were not. Um, but, like, what? So, yeah. So the next short article, and most of these are weirdly short for what they're about, is entitled Candle Tragedy. Oh. Shocking. Dun, dun, um, dun. Yes, Candle Tragedy. From the Shields Daily News 1924. Trigger warning. This involves a toddler death and playing with fire. Okay, so candle tragedy. Child who lighted it causes fatal nursery fire. A Christmas candle was believed to have caused the death of two-year-old son of a market porter named Johnson of Betterton Street, Drury Lane. At the inquest yesterday, it was stated that after Johnson's three children had been put to bed, the room was found full of smoke. Two beds were smoldering, and there was a hole in the floor, and the children were partially asphyxiated. Johnson said one of the boys bought a penny box of Christmas candles, which he, witness, threw in the fire. A candle had been taken from the box, and he thought one of the children must have hidden it, lighted it at the gas, and stood it on the floor, afterwards falling asleep the coroner recorded a verdict of accidental death. And so, like, this just sort of happened. A lot. That's... 
Yeah. Yeah. I, and you should also mm. keep in mind that we're talking about mattresses that were straw or stuffed right. with other, like, organic items maybe down. Like, things that would be significantly more flammable. Right. Um, I guess at least as flammable as children's pajamas in the 80s. Right. Oh, my goodness. Um, Ugh, poor peanut. Yeah. Also, though, why was it still burning in their room? Like, if they're sleeping... If if you're supposed to be sleeping, lights off. I mean, but the gas sconces were in the walls. Oh, that's true. I assume that that's what we're talking about. I assume we're not talking about gas fireplaces. Um, but or gas stoves, I'm not sure. But I assume like many children, they didn't like to be completely in the dark. True. Yeah, also an interesting know. item to purchase with your little kid money. <laughs> I mean, it's Christmas. Yeah. I can... I don't know. But noticing that there's one missing... Like, you know that kid's up to no good. <laughs> I'm not blaming the parent. I'm just saying that you know that kid's up to no good. <laughs> yes. Anyway... There's a shady one in every family. Just saying. <sighs> I mean, little kids like to play with fire. That is true. I did. I'm sure every little kid is fascinated. The time, the amount right, of time I spent rubbing like sticks together <laughs> and waiting for a fire to start was phenomenal. The next one is another short one. Um, also, child murder and violent death. Trigger warning. Mm. Um, called, shockingly, oh wait, hold on, back that up, the next one is child murder. This one is, um, kids playing with fire, but no fatalities, oh, so it's okay. very casual. Um, very it, casual. <laughs> yeah, it is called, creatively, Christmas Candle Fire. Oh, and it comes from the Dundee Evening Telegraph of 1926. And yes, some of these are a bit beyond Victorian times, but this stuff was still happening, like, in the 50s. <laughs> oh, God. So, wow. um, yeah. A, a fire at a house at Little Park Gardens, Enfield, uh, Enfield Haunting, anyone? Um, was caused by a child playing with Christmas candles. The curtains caught fire and the flames spread to a settee and the carpet. The local brigade put out the fire before injury. Get on the local brigade. That's all it says. Oh, gosh. Yeah. All right. So, uh, our next flouncing through Christmas candle bad ideas comes from the Yorkshire Gazette in 1894 and is entitled, creatively, A Christmas Tragedy. Um, this one does involve child murder and violent death, so skip right on over if uh, that's going to cause you to be upset. I mean, I guess it should cause anyone to be upset, but you know what I mean. do indeed. Okay, a Christmas tragedy. Yesterday's standard says, 
A terrible double murder was committed on Christmas Eve in the little village of Kaledorf in Lower Austria. A tenant farmer, Joseph Pamperl, and his wife proceeded in the evening after having lighted a Christmas tree, just take that in for a moment, <laughs> to attend midnight mass at the church, which stands on a hill. I don't know why it matters that it stands <laughs> on a hill. Um, they left two children, aged respectively nine years and six months, at home under the care of a servant girl. On their return at seven in the morning, they That's found... That's one hell of a mess. Uh, right? They found the baby girl slumbering in the cradle, but the elder girl was lying under the Christmas tree in a pool of blood, having evidently or having been evidently stabbed to death. The servant girl was lying in the kitchen, having been murdered with a hatchet. All the drawers in the house had been broken open, and a savings bank book and other valuables stolen, so that no mistake exists about the motive for the crime. It is concluded that there must have been at least two persons engaged in the crime. I don't know why that's concluded, given the information but okay maybe that but also two different you lit weapons the christmas tree and then went to midnight mass right. and left your christmas tree lit and didn't come home until seven o'clock in the morning what the hell were you doing seriously that's a long mass not even catholic mass is that long Mm-mm. no i mean i've been to weddings attached to masses and they weren't that long I'm calling shenanigans on this. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's All tragic. Right. But the, so the baby was okay, though? The baby baby? The baby the baby was s- fine. The baby baby was sleeping in the cradle. Okay. Apparently, the baby baby was not in danger of telling on anyone. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Oof. I know. That's the last of the Christmas candle fire related tales that I'm going to tell specifically because all of them were the same. Somebody (laughs) went up in flames and died horribly because something came in contact with a candle at Christmas. Like, that's just it. But there's another fun thing that I stumbled upon. Oh? Um, uh, Both the tradition of Christmas death rolls in newspapers... Which is exactly what it sounds like, and I will read you a couple of them. Um, Which is basically a list of all the people who died on Christmas. Um, Bring out your dead, the holiday version? Kind of. Um, And then there were also some questionable Christmas household hints involving (laughs) candles. Oh, okay. All right. So let's start off with the Christmas death roll. All right. So, Christmas death rolls broadly were sort of short, um, just lists sometimes with uh, rather scathing commentary attached to them. Oh my goodness. So, let's see here. Christmas death roll in Liverpool. And this is from... 
weirdly enough, not Liverpool, but the Glasgow Evening Post in 1892. Hmm. Yes, um... This whole page was actually really interesting because there is an article on where Christmas trees come from, like the history of Christmas trees. There is an article uh, describing the royal Christmas celebrations, including why Christmas trees became a thing in Uh, England. Um, And then there is, of course, the Christmas death roll in Liverpool um, that came in by telegraph and the lead is quote drink responsible oh boy yes Liverpool 1230 an extraordinary large number of cases have been reported to the Liverpool coroner of violent death and sudden deaths and persons found dead on Christmas day the list of 24 reports includes one alleged murder and half a dozen suffocation of children and about the same number of old people found dead. The Boxing Day has, or also has it heavy. The investigations of the coroner's office show that drink directly or indirectly was responsible for the majority of the cases. I have questions. So, um, people getting drunk and killing themselves, each other, children, parents, apparently that was a thing. Um, That's like a lot of people in one town. Oh, yes. And this isn't even, like, this isn't abnormal. This was a totally normal thing to publish the day after Christmas. So it's like the, the Purge Christmas edition. Jesus. Yeah, and so another one is also entitled Christmas Death Roll from the Sunderland Daily Echo and Shipping Gazette, 1894. It says, Christmas Death Roll. During the past few days, from Saturday morning until the evening of Christmas Day, there have been six deaths in the town of a sudden character, or of such nature as will probably necessitate inquests being held. Oh. That's it. That's it? That's it. Um, Oh. Yes. Again, more questions. What's that? I said again, more questions. Uh, I I know. And then... There is a death roll by way of a letter to the editor. And this one, like the first candle story that I read, is kind of long. But it's also related to making and the kind of making that extremely poor people in London had to do just to make ends meet or Mm. not even make ends meet. And it's a really interesting letter to the editor basically shaming people um, for how the people seen as lower class were being treated. And it's called The Christmas Death Roll from Reynolds Newspaper in 1898. All right. Buckle in, folks. This isn't nice. Um, I'm going to give you a trigger warning of fire 
of desperate poverty, of child death, and uh, probably claustrophobia. Okay. So, um, this this one's a lot, but it also, I don't know, it, it feels necessary to, uh, not everything is just funny. Yeah. Um, in this time, and it feels sort of necessary to, if I'm going to talk about all of this bizarro death and destruction, that there should be actual humanity injected as well. Yes. And so this is that humanity. All right. The Christmas Death Roll. To the editor of Reynolds Newspaper, Sir... If it were not that year after year we had the same strange melancholy experience, we should find it hard to believe that each Christmas tide was destined to provide the public with some great disaster involving loss of life and accompanied with circumstances of peculiar horror. Yet it seems fated that this season of merriment and rejoicing should never pass nowadays without what is now usually referred to as the Christmas catastrophe. Right in the height day of our feasting and pleasures invariably comes news of some terrible railway accident or mine explosion or other heart-rending calamity as if to provide that skeleton at the feast, which the ancient Egyptians literally introduced into their festivities as a reminder of the mortality of all things human and the feebleness of mankind in the hands of fate. I would just like to pause here for a moment and say that apparently I time-traveled to... Um, the time when this was written to this newspaper and wrote this, because this sounds exactly <laughs> like my writing. Um, and the dramatic flourishes that I would also add. Also so, ancient Egyptians. <laughs> well, yes, and that. Okay, so continuing on. This year, our holiday has been overshadowed by the disastrous fire at Bethnal Green, in which a whole family have perished without so much as a hand being able to be stretched out to avert their horrible end. This shocking occurrence actually took place within a few yards of hundreds of Christmas revelers who scarcely knew the horrible thing before its victims were a heap of charred and unrecognizable bodies, and who would probably have been powerless to render aid even if they had known that the fire was on the point of destroying ten human beings in about as many minutes. Truly, this has come to emphasize fire as the danger note of the vast metropolis in which five millions of us pass our daily lives. And if you are unaware of neighborhoods, uh, this is London that they're talking about. Um, and if further emphasis were desired to complete the tale of Christmas disaster, the fire fiend has claimed other victims simultaneously in Pimlico, Chelsea, and Dartford, and news comes from a terrible outbreak in the already stricken town of Kings Lynn. The Bethnal Green Holocaust, which I should also say 
meant something very different before World War II. Yes. And was used much more generally. Um, The Bethnal Green Holocaust has two aspects. One giving ground for serious alarm as to the dangerous liability of fire to the wretched tenement houses in narrow courts and alleys inhabited by so many hundreds of thousands of poor people in London. And the other presenting a mixed picture of the pathos and misery of the lives led by these same poverty-stricken strugglers for bread. Really, sir, to consider the pitiable condition of the Jarvis family from sickness, want, and suffering in their miserable quarters, one is tempted to ask whether Christmas did not bring them a kinder and more merciful fate than they could ever hope to have encountered had they stayed longer in a world which offered them nothing but slavery and despair. Here was the father dying of consumption in the nearest hospital and his wife and nine children down to the tiniest weakling of them desperately toiling every hour they could keep awake at the most insufferable of all forms of modern and this is a problematic phrase so um know that i know um forms of modern white slavery matchbox making to my mind no more heart-rending case has ever come to light in that gloomy inferno of of the london poor Well may the vicar of St. Bartholomew's, who gives us information as to the circumstances under which the family were dragging out an existence, recall the mother's despairing cry on Christmas Eve, shall I ever get out of all this trouble? Poor woman, the answer to her prayer came speedier than she could have dreamed. Yes, with one swift stroke of the destroyer, ended the troubles of that despairing mother with her more helpless young and her husband died in the hospital that night. And this is but a tiny corner lifted for a moment of the veil beneath which hundreds of thousands of miserable beings drag out an existence unknown to or forgotten by the rest of the world. The Bethel Green catastrophe is like a flash of limelight thrown for a moment into a dark corner of the stage, revealing the startled spectators, a byplay of unexpected horrors. It's an item in the great indictment that is piling up against modern society and its so-called civilization. Here, in the midst of the wealthiest city in the world, on the day of all days when Christianity boasts of its message of peace and goodwill, are thousands starving to death by inches, fighting desperately, and yet how pathetically, for that very trifle of food and shelter, which in all conscience seems the natural, unquestioned birthright of all on the surface of this bounteous earth. The clergyman points out that in all probability it was the slavish devotion of this poor woman and her children to matchbox 
box making, which was their only support that caused their death. When we picture the conditions under which 10 people toiled, starved, and slept on one floor, we can readily conceive how a fire might break out, and still more readily, how they could remain oblivious. Oh, I've just lost my spot because that was a lot. Um, mm. The clergyman points out that in all probability, it was the slavish devotion to this poor woman and her children, to the matchbox making, which is their only support that caused their death. When we picture the conditions under which 10 people toiled, starved, and slept on that one floor, we can readily conceive how a fire might break out and still more readily how they could remain oblivious to the destruction hurrying upon them. A room obstructed with the thin shavings of wood, piled up in all directions and in dangerous proximity to the tiny fireplace with its small fire, made to warm the paste necessary for binding wood and paper together, and the whole family huddled together on rag in that sleep comes of extreme physical exhaustion. Is anything more required to explain the Bethel Green catastrophe? And this is probably the case in thousands of tenements in the area of Bethel Green alone. One wonders that hundreds are not roasted alive every week. And added to this outrageous condition of things we have acres of dangerously combustible tenement property shut up in noisome courts and alleys to which, as was the case on Saturday night, neither fire escapes nor engines can approach. The Bethel Green fire, coming as it does with all the pathos and tragedy possible to conceive, is one to make us shudder and raise an alarm at the condition of things around us. But it is only one emphatic case. Spread out over the year, the firemen's records show us a terrible mortality from fires of this very type and all arising from the dangerous tenement house. It's inadequate means of escape and the poverty of our resources for speedy rescue from fire. The death traps of our metropolis must be more strictly looked after by the local authorities, and the reform and extension of our fire brigade service becomes a pressing and almost a menacing matter. We have lately had warnings imperative enough. And that is signed A. Northumbrian. Wow. Good for them. Whew. That's heartbreaking. So, yeah. It's heartbreaking. And what's even more heartbreaking is that it's not gotten 100% better. You know what I no. mean? It, this is still happening today. And that's why I wanted to read the whole thing. And I mm -hmm. know that there's some problematic language that we don't usually use anymore. Um, some right. specifically colonialist language. But it's very clear that the intent of this letter to the editor is to help. Right. And it, it is not 
malicious. No. Um, even if I would choose to change some of the language. Right. But I just, like, that's heartbreaking. It really and is. boy, does it take to task a city that, I mean, frankly, it makes me think of tenement houses where I live in New York City. Mm-hmm. And, like, the stories that you hear, like, it still happens that huge extended families live in one room here in New York. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in every big city and probably in cities that aren't so big. And it's, it's dangerous. And I, I just felt like if we were going to talk, yeah. When they're trying to find heat source. Yeah. And if we're going to talk about Christmas candles, I think we need to talk about the matchbox makers who made lighting them possible. Yeah. And I mean, we've probably all heard of Matchstick Girls. Mhm. Who sold individual matches and often froze to death. And they were children. Oh. And this is the full extended family layout of that situation. And so it wasn't all just, holy shit, why would you ever light that on fire? It was, holy shit, sometimes you light that on fire because otherwise you're going to die, and then it kills you anyway. Yeah. So um, So that's that. Now I have some light notes. <laughs> Yay. All right. So. Whew. Man. I am bummed out. Um, (laughs) All right. So let me round this up with some questionable Christmas household hints. (laughs) Um, This is called Christmas Candles. Increasing their power, subduing the light. And it's from the Northern Whig in 1928. And here we go. Right. Candles for Christmas decorations should be buried a few days before use. This contracts the fatty ingredients and hardens the wax so that it burns longer and gives a better light without flickering. Put the candles in a tin or wooden box, having previously wrapped them in thin tissue paper, and bury them about a foot in the ground, leaving them thus until required. Often, it is desirable to reduce the amount of light given by candles in certain positions in order to gain better effects. When this is necessary, let the candle burn down until a cup takes the place of the taper end at the top. Blow out the light and sprinkle a little fine salt over the surface of the cup and up the back part of the wick. The illuminating power of the candles so treated will be much smaller. If you intend to use up the remains of last year's candles, you can easily remove discolorations by slightly rubbing them with a clean flannel dipped in spirits of wine. Yes, let's rub alcohol on candles. Right? Um, Yep. 
A most artistic effect is created when Christmas candles match the colors of walls, curtains, or furniture. Thin down your oil paints with two-thirds of turpentine, also extremely flammable, (laughs) um, and one-third varnish. Again. (laughs) And apply as you desire. Only the nearest touch of paint is needed for the prettiest effects. This will not make any difference to the even burning of the candles. You sure about that? (laughs) I'm not so sure about that. But I just like the idea of Victorian housewives going out in their backyards and digging a hole for a candle grave. (laughs) Annual Christmas candle grave. Followed by salting. Yeah, it's not wrong that no, yeah, cause you cold. harden wax, right. you harden and set wax that way because, I mean, we're talking about largely tallow candles at this point, so they're animal fat. Right. Um, but. <sighs> I know people that used to keep their candles in their freezer and the refrigerator. Yeah. When I was little, I remember. Yeah. And I mean it's not wrong. That right. It's does just funny. do it. But also cutting your wick to an eighth of an inch and burning it for a minimum of two to four hours on first burn will also make it so your candle flame stays small and you don't burn it fast and the scented oils stay around longer instead of just being burned so that makes sense <laughs> that is uh how fast how do feel. tallow candles burn um what's that how fast do tallow candles burn i have like, no idea i don't think i have ever lit a tallow candle beeswax or soy i have a friend who uh <laughs> who was the maker and his they tried to to get as much use out of the deer that they had shot that season yeah sure um and so they made uh candles from the deer tallow that they makes stunk. complete sense um my <laughs> yeah. stepdad is a hunter or was when i was growing up and there was a lot of emphasis put on using every single thing right so right. that makes sense all right my my next christmas household hint well at least it was under that section Um, But it's more of a a complaint. Um, But uh, it's from the household hints section of the Ross Standard in 1947. So this was still going on then. And there is a picture of the Christmas candles in this. Oh, okay. And I... um, It doesn't make it any better. And it... (laughs) It's entitled Christmas Candle Problems. Hmm. Christmas Candle Problems. The Christmas candles are scarce, and they are thinner and shorter. That's it. That's it? That's it. The nerve. Yep. (laughs) And then just one more thing to lighten the mood even further, because I just desperately want to know the story behind this um this is a yeah no um this is a wanted ad from the sheffield daily telegraph in 1873 um wanted a good general servant 
who can neither read nor write nor do tatting, crochet, or embroidery. What? That's it. I want to know what the last servant did. (laughs) (laughs) That crafty bitch. I mean, something, no something further happened. information is given, and it doesn't even and writing, give the information but... of the person who wrote the wanted ad, so I can't, like, <laughs> take a deep dive into somebody's family history. Right? Like, <laughs> but, I, I get the, the reading and writing thing, which is just problematic. I, yeah, I mean... But... The... <laughs> but... No tatting, crochet, or embroidery? Like, like I, are they allowed to darn? Don't you Can want darn? some lace, man? <laughs> Can they darn a sock? Is that allowed? Like, uh, I, I'm not sure. That shouldn't count as embroidering, but I want to know. There's, Inquiring yeah. minds. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I, I just, there must have been such a specific story behind <laughs> there that. Is. There's got to be. There's got to be a story there, and I really want to know it now. Yeah, same. So that that rounds up all of mine. It, it was long, but there were just so many Christmas candle-related <laughs> Tragedy. tragedies. Oh, my god! I mean, I just cherry-picked them. There were so many. I started out with, I think, 19 articles and whittled it down. And so. Like it- at what point do you go, hey, this is a common denominator in all these tragedies. Perchance we should, I don't know, do something a little different. <laughs> there were still advertisements um, that I saw that were as late as 1967 for Christmas candles. Well, tree I remember candles. Uh, for tree candles. Tree candles just Floor and me. all of these, let's be clear, are for Christmas tree candles. Yes. Not just Christmas candles to hang out. Like, these right. were to go on your tree. Do you remember? I know what you're going to say. Is it the angels with the twirly thing on top? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, yes. um, the little oil, like, almost lava lamp Christmas lights. Oh, I had some of those. That were the, the candles. Lights. Yeah. Yes. I had my some grandma those. had those on her. Christmas. I found at like a rummage sale. My mom's like, you're going to burn your dorm room down. True. <laughs> I was like, and? Yeah. Well, I'm I will say it. my grandma did not ever burn the house down. Um, I am. The house is still standing. My grandma is not. But. We're a big candle family. Like, we, we, we've always had candles lit. I mean, I'm a practicing witch. Right? I got right? candles all over. I <laughs> candles also for have days. giant hurricane lamp covers that I could fit yes. over my head that are a couple of feet tall to protect when surrounding I was, areas. I, my parents had uh, oil lamps. Kerosene lamps, I think they called them. Uh, yeah. But I remember oil lamps when I was really little. Um, oh, we had them for, like, um, camping and being outdoors broadly. Oh, no. They had them in, like, the friggin' living room. Oh, the 1970s. Like, the hurricanes. Yeah, with the hurricane lamp and with the little With the thing. wicks that yeah. came yep, up. Yep, yep, and then you got the bottle of oil you poured in there, the different colors. 
Uh, yes, damn. yes. And the hurric or the um, carnival glass. Yes. Bottoms, yeah. No, I know exactly yep. what you're talking about. There were a lot of... You know, I think maybe my parents also... And I was only four when they got divorced and sold that house. But I have a memory of there being those, like, very 70s, mm-hmm. um, like, kerosene lamps on the wall. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I haven't thought about that in a long time. It's me either. This, uh, and I remember this smell of, like, this specific Christmas candle my mom had. That was... I have a Christmas candle smell sense memory, too. And I couldn't tell you what the scent was. Right, right. Me either. Um... It was and I don't think my mom like, ever burned the candle. I think it was just a right, decorative, decorative thing one that yes. came out every year. Yes, decorative candles also weird, weird, weird tradition. Uh, but my mom I mean, has they a exist ton. now. My mom has like I remember uh, at Thanksgiving time she has a turkey and then she has little pilgrims. Yeah, um. my mom has those too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Midwestern moms. Yes, for the win. She got them at the Hallmark. So yeah, store. I remember there's there was candles where they they didn't they didn't get burned because they were just for decorative use. But yeah, yeah, Hallmark store was <sighs> filled with them. Yes, we do. We the, have Halloween uh, ones too. Yep, I got my mom a Frankenstein one. I was super proud of once. Nice. Uh, the we have a little tradition in our house where we. Uh, Get that when Michaels has their giant jar candles on sale for like three dollars and thirty three cents, and mm-hmm. I was so happy because I got one that has a, I I ordered it online and we did the curbside pickup, so I did it based on name and description, and I'm like it's three bucks, you know, yeah. um, but it turned out to to smell exactly like what I wanted it to smell like and Uh, it's like it's like fireplace and hearth is what it's called but so driving through where we live in the Driftless area yeah I've mentioned multiple times that we have a lot of Amish people yeah Amish heat their homes with wood-burning stoves and and I grew up in southwest Michigan right near Amish and there's this very specific like wood burning stove smell in yeah, the air. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. This candle smells just like it. Oh, nice. Yes, my, I was um, super excited. My in-laws in Vermont have mm-hmm. a wood burning stove and that's what they use for heat like that uh, yep. because Vermont. Um, right. And it because there are enough modern things it doesn't quite smell like that, but it really reminds me of it. Yeah, I'm a I'm a firm firm believer in fireplaces and wood burning. So like I love that smell and that crackle and everything. I grew up with the my parents had cathedral they have cathedral ceilings in their front family room and uh, the little old man who lived like a few houses down was like off the boat from Germany and he hand laid all of my dad picked out all of the stones for this fireplace and then Johan like hand laid everything and and stuff but that fireplace is just like wow. just home but i was super freaking excited when i found that candle because we will frequently 
put the burning Yule log on the TV. Oh, we do that too. And pretend. Yeah, we've got a screen and projector because we don't have a TV. Yeah. And so we'll pull down the screen and projector and just project the giant Yule log. Yes. Yep. Uh, we're so, we're yeah. totally not awkward or boring adults in any way. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, wooden wick candles mm-hmm. do that poppy crackly. Yes. I don't like it. It makes me nervous. Another um, thing that I found is a specific incense kit on Amazon that yeah. are little sticks of wood. And they're various kind. There's balsa. There's uh, oh. there's pine. There's... All is different. this the kind that you would light um, a coal in a cauldron and smolder it on top? You could. You could. But it also comes with just like a little tiny holder and you put it in there oh. and you light it and it burns. Um, so you're literally oh, burning like, like a little... Santo or something like that. Kind of. Which is not my but, culture right. and I do not use it. Just for right, the right. record, don't email me. I know. Right, right. I, and that's I, not what I'm this not is either. A, I, I'm not a bruja. <laughs> it is... And this is more yeah. like it's they've taken like especially with like the pine they've taken the needles and the wood yeah. and basically you know like you would make paper you'd pulp it down and then put it obviously these are all made of like the same kind of mold but it smells really good <laughs> so it's a nice little addition That's cool yeah because paper mills smell terrible yeah they paper do. pulp yeah smells awful my yeah. stepdad is a. Er, was is i don't know he may or may not have accidentally retired um (laughs) but he was a master electrician Ah. um when i was growing up and he was working at i grew up in a millen factory town Mm. and so um like my mom worked my mom and my dad at some point worked in the local factory and then my dad became a local cop like you do and um and my stepdad was uh working for a while on the electricity in the mill um the paper mill and nothing in this world smells worse than paper pulp from the paper mill i don't understand (laughs) how something so nice smelling right i mean i'm sure that it's a chemical process that yeah or a fermentation maybe i don't know i don't know but man it's gross anyway that sounds delightful and now i need to look for it oh i can totally send you a link excellent we should put the link in the show notes too in case anybody feels the need the need to burn some wood Mm -hmm. Just a little bit of wood. Well, I have a candle holder that is a ceramic, um, like, campfire fire pit. And then it oh. has the wood that you can put on top. Yep. Um, and, I mean, it's white. I think mm-hmm. I got it from the Museum of Modern Art. Oh. <laughs> so it usually has an LED, like a flickering LED candle in it. But mm-hmm. um, it certainly could be used for actual things and that would be kind of fun indeed do you know what else is fun our weekly worst way to die (laughs) i would say that that is decidedly not fun i know i suck at transitions (laughs) yeah well fair enough um 
I'm going to start with this one since I have disturbed all of us uh, <laughs> most recently. So, my weekly worst way to die is obviously having my gown set on fire by the Christmas tree. Oof. Yep. That's that's terrifying. Terrifying. Yep. And I didn't even read you the murders Oof. of people throwing candles oh. at like Christmas candles at women's dresses and them oh going Oh my up. gosh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. That's a thing. Maybe for a future more murdery uh, Christmas episode. <laughs> Next year. More murdery Christmas. <sighs> That's terrifying. Yeah, so what's mine, yours? Mine is Snapdragon gone wrong or right. Either way, Snapdragon. Like, yeah. I, there's a sleeve. Like, I don't. I just don't foresee myself walking away unscathed. If you were in mourning, that... Oh, my goodness. Like, and all of that, like, that black dye is also asbestos-based? Or not asbestos, um, arsenic-based? Yes. Oh, my goodness. All I'm saying is you might have been in an entire room filled with arsenic dust and wearing widow's weeds and literally everything is treated with arsenic to make it all crinkly it's all flammable (laughs) yeah i have seen i've had that moment when you're at a birthday party i believe this was her like i want to say her 15th maybe 16th one of my dearest friends Uh, and she leaned over yep to blow the candle out and there's that slow motion where you're like, no, your hair. <laughs> and swoop, like a little chunk went up. It was put up quickly. Oh, and just that hair oh. with hairspray in it is so flammable. Oh, yep. The 80s yep. were a very dangerous time <laughs> to be they near were, fire. They were. And I was. Uh, the 80s Even and the Victorian times, I feel like we're similarly dangerous given what we were spraying on ourselves. Seriously. And I I did not understand hairspray. Like, I'm still not good with that stuff. Um, and the first can of hairspray I actually purchased. Tell me it was, was Aquanet. It was Aquanet. Uh, and it was in college and it was for my charcoal drawing class. Uh, oh, yeah. To use as fixative. <laughs> I wasn't even for my hair but i watched i have seen i have seen the friends and family members with the hairspray and curling iron and and the wall the claw of hair the teasing oh, I and the, oh was an expert in um big bang back combing wow yeah, yeah, I'm in awe. I'm in awe I of will that. see if I can find some photos of me from um, late 80s, early 90s. My mom still has those bangs. Nice. Yeah. I think Although, they're back in now. Well, her hair sort of looks like a shag right now. So yeah. uh, I, I feel like she's aged into the 80s again. Okay. In a way that works. That's awesome. Yep. And for the record, my mom is very pretty and... She's adorable. I'm not making fun of her hair. 
<laughs> I there have been hairstyles of hers that I could make fun of. Like she definitely once had a purple mullet. What? Oh yeah. Like okay, like like legit purple or like Easter egg old lady purple rinse purple. Um, burgundy. Like oh. deep burgundy purple. Nice. But it was not the burgundy like that's with the red undertones. It was yeah. burgundy with blue undertones. Do you remember? So it was mousse? like electric purple. Oh. But her hair is dark. Hair mousse? Hmm? Do you remember the colored hair mousse? Oh God, that yeah. stuff never worked. No, chalking was... worked though. Yeah. But I didn't discover that until I was way too old for that to matter. <laughs> I just had manic panic. Oh, me too. Yes. And I got to meet Tish and Snooki at a party. Oh, wow. And Snooki did my eyelashes. She put falsies on me the first time I have ever worn them. That's amazing. they were gold. (laughs) That's even more amazing. Yes. And I still have plenty of manic panic under my sink because I have the one colored streak that will never probably go away. Because, eh. I guess it's awesome. Yeah. Do you want I to so. be... I think so, too. Do you know what else I think? I think that we make awesome friends. Yeah. And do you want to be spooky internet friends with us? Of course you do. You can, <laughs> you can find us at Bones and Bobbins on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Oh, and don't forget <laughs> to <laughs> and don't forget to rate and review this podcast. It pleases the internet gremlins, and that's how we show up in recommendations so that other morbid souls can find us. Bring forth the morbid souls. <sighs> and on that <laughs> note, <laughs> yes. let us leave you with some advice. That you should never, ever forget. No. Lock your doors. Mm-hmm. And don't run with scissors. Yay! <laughs> Each episode of the Bones and Bobbins podcast is written and researched by Haley Pearson Cox and Natalie Hoyce. Our music was composed by Loyalty Freak Music. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bones and Bobbins. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts so you won't miss a minute of our strange and creepy content.